on this episode of PLMPJ's City Crown Champions and Frantic Final Day Fixtures. Welcome back to the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. And that dress code is anything to help filter out the smoke in the air in Denver, Colorado, because it is hazardous for certain susceptible people in the area. Wow, that was very uh, topical. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, a great reminder to, uh, you know, don't do wildfires. Well, right. And, and and really what this is about is we are not only a Premier League podcast, we also like to come hot with some real-life news for the audience, really only pertaining to Colorado. Though. You know what the, the biggest problem about this is? Is that it's coming from Canada. Sure. Fires in Canada. And they don't have Smokey the Bear in Canada. Right. So no, they don't have anyone true. to uh, tell them only you can prevent forest fires. Right. Maybe, eh? maybe they have a maybe they have a moose or something. Mo- <laughs> yeah. um, but, but not like Smokey the Moose, just like a moose and it's doing a terrible job. Jake, what I've realized is we've kind of become also like a weather podcast yeah. because we talk about it like, oh, there's a snowstorm. Oh, it's really hot again. Oh, there's smoke in the air. Well, it's all about setting the scene for the listener because sure. obviously they only get our voices, which is just, you know, barely enough to get them by. Open. Jake and Brent sitting at a counter wearing jammies. Interior. <laughs> Nay Rachel says, welcome back to the Premier League podcast with the coziest dress code. Unrelated. Weather outside is smoky. Frightful? Frightful. Fire is so delightful. And <laughs> since we've no place to go, let it snow. Smoke? Sure. Sure. That works too. Jake, speaking of smoke, you know what smoke is a result of? It's a result of catching fire, which is exactly what City did. Katniss Everdeen. <laughs> Katniss Everdeen, a.k.a. Manchester City, did down the stretch of the season to secure their, I want to say it's their seventh in the last 12 years Premier League title. And that includes both Pep Guardiola at the helm and, uh, ooh, what's his name? Spurs. No, it's it's an MP, I think. Pellegrini? Either way, uh, they have been wildly successful for the last 12 years. And it begs the question, Jake, is this the best Premier League side ever? Like, like ever. Over, over this Ooh. last decade or so? Winning seven titles. I mean, granted. Decade, yes. <laughs> back between 92 and 2012. Or no, it was less than that. Anyway, over a 12-year span at the start of 2000s, United won at eight times. Yes. And then during the 80s or 70s, I think, Liverpool also won at eight times in 12 years. So it's been done before in the sure. past. But in terms of quality of a squad, granted, there's a lot more money available now, less homegrown talent on this Manchester City team than there is on those previous Manchester United and Liverpool squads. Is this the most talented squad? Uh, Brent, I, I think I will have to side with United here, the other side of Manchester, uh, because they did it outside of the Premier League. Sure. And I think that's a big factor. Obviously, we don't know the results the treble is on of, of this season. Um, but assuming, I mean, if, if they do, I, I think it's very close. And I think yeah. just the extent of how United did it and the circumstances that they did it um, back then, I think it slightly edges this 
Manchester City squad. Yeah, uh, I, I think the main takeaway for that United side is how many homegrown players they did it with. Like, it was mainly the class of 92 players that were a part of it. Plus, you add in, like, Wayne Rooney later on, who was a, technically a homegrown player from Everton. Just, they did it with a lot of English sure. and UK talent, which I think is more impressive. I mean, granted, they were very talented players, but... It's not like Manchester City now just going out and picking and choosing. It's not like they're like spending ridiculous money. They've spent a lot of money, but they don't do outrageous right. deals every time. But they kind of just pick and choose who they want and go like, yep, that's it. Get them. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's pretty nice when that happens and you're able to do that. So it definitely seems like they had an easier route to where they are now. Sure. Whereas uh, you know United, more of a historic side and kind of built their reputation over the years and then just had that great run of uh 10 to 12-ish years that you mentioned so i don't know maybe it's the nostalgia side of me sure um and that was like when i I first started you know even hearing of the premier league and like knowing what it was and oh my gosh my computer is not muted brent (laughs) um but yeah I, i think for me that side uh, rivals cities and is is slightly better. I think I, I would say I've seen a lot of debate come up about Pep Guardiola versus Sir Alex Ferguson over this run. I, I guess the thing that I would say about it is I feel like I agree with you. I side with Sir Alex possibly because of nostalgia, but also because Pep Guardiola has done it with teams that in their respective leagues have unlimited resources. Like he did it with Barcelona and then he went to Bayern Munich and then he went to a Man City side that had just been taken over in the past few years and had buku bucks to spend. And not to say that he's not still a great manager and a tactical genius, but Sir Alex Ferguson beat Real Madrid in the Champions League with Aberdeen before going to Manchester United. Like, I, I feel like that's got a little bit more repertoire than, uh, you know, taking over some of the richest, wealthiest, and biggest clubs in a league and granted, he he's lived up to the expectations. Those are very demanding jobs. Sure. You still have to be successful. It comes with a lot of pressure. And that in itself probably commands some respect. But I agree. I tend to side with the Manchester United side of things there. Yeah, Brent, you want to know a sad stat for at least Do I? for me? Oh, okay. Um, in Pep's entire career as a manager, only one team has finished above them and not won the title. The Spurs. It's Tottenham. <laughs> yeah, that's how. And of all teams, Leicester. Ahead. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah that was, was, was that year? Yeah. I think so. I think that was the same year. I think it was Leicester Spurs because that was the Eden Hazard. Yeah. Re- regardless, not ideal. Yeah. Bummer for a Spurs fan. But as far as City go, Jake, the, the one talking point I've seen come up quite a bit around this run is, and, and I saw it on a Sky Sports segment, is, is this team and its success tainted by the allegations against them financially should they come true that they were cooking books that they were essentially embezzling money that they were overspending and not being straightforward about it and not only that kind of hiding it sure i mean there's always going to be the asterisks um right next to all their success during that time period but i i don't think it takes away from what happened on the pitch i think you know behind the scenes what they have been doing, you know, possibly could be wrong, depending on what the investigation finds. But that doesn't take away from the quality on the pitch, the genius of Pep Guardiola, and the quality of the players um, that he's recruited to these squads. So 
I I think yes, you look back in the history books, sure it's gonna be mentioned and gonna be a slight stain, but you know that takes nothing away from when you watch the tapes. When you see the highlights, that's all class on the field, and it's possible that they use some you know financial hoodoo to get around some rules, but uh, you know I I still think it's one of the greatest sides ever assembled, and you you can't take. Um, anything away from that. No, I agree. And and I feel like in 30 years from now, nobody's going to go, oh, look at that run City went on. But, oh, man, remember how they embezzled money? Sure. Or lied on their financial reports? Should it, be, you know, should it come to pass that that's what happened? I feel like because it's getting delayed so much, it's more of an indication that they are guilty. Like that ruling keeps getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And both sides have a lot at stake in this. Like, if, if the FA get it wrong, that's not a very good look on them. But if Manchester City get it wrong, that's obviously not a good look for them. But if the point is just, you know, their their legacy, I think if you look at the team 30 years from now, nobody's going to be putting that asterisk there sure. anymore. It's only going to be kind of like a recency bias or, you know, like fans in a pub sitting together. Oh, but but you cheated. You know, I yeah. I really don't think it's that big of a deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but I don't think it's going to be down the line. And if, if they do, um, or if they are found guilty, it's going to be quite a bit of a bigger deal than the Juventus stuff now, right? Because Juventus didn't win anything. <laughs> uh, right. They they were in a kind of a lull actually when um, they've been accused and found guilty of cooking the books. Which I think it's part of the reason that they've been doing this because their success has weaned a little bit. Sure, they've needed to start. They've know. been they've been hemorrhaging money and they've yeah. been needing to hide it. Um, with some of their transfers being a little wonky on the figures. Yeah. But um, that being said, Jake, uh, it was said today from Pep that even if they're found guilty of 100 counts, you know, he's going to stay. He's not leaving. I was going to say um, he, he was quoted today saying that he's going to be there next season. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we, we didn't know for sure. We, we had a guess that he was going to be. But uh, it was still somewhat up in the air. But, yeah, he confirmed that. And uh, Brent. There are two sides to every Premier League season. Sure. There are the champions. and Like Man City. And then there's those that are not so lucky. Losers. Exactly. Um, Southampton already one of them. And there's two more joining them as we go into the final day this Sunday. And it's up to pretty much, what, four other teams or three other teams? Three other teams. Okay, because Forrest is safe. Yeah, so it's between Leeds, Leicester, and Everton. And... And the reason that Everton are particularly in trouble is because Leicester picked up a big draw at the weekend against Newcastle, nil-nil, which means that if Everton draw in their match on the final day and Leicester win, Leicester have a better goal differential than Everton by about four right now. So there is no mathematical way that Everton could stay up if they get a draw in their final match against Bournemouth. Well, if the other two teams lose. Well, no. sure. I, I just mean, like, like if Leicester were to win gotcha. their final okay. day, yeah. um, which, I granted, I know they haven't been in very good form all season. They're certainly not in good, in good form now. In their last five matches, Jake, they've got three draws and two losses. Those draws come against Newcastle, Everton, and Leeds. Mm-hmm. So not good form. Um, but, you know, you never know. Playing at home against West Ham on the final day. West Ham are already safe. They haven't looked particularly good all season. There's a chance they rotate players. Leicester could pick up a surprise win in that game, which puts a lot of pressure on Everton as all the matches happen at the same time. Yeah, and I think 
you kind of pointed this out, but leads are in a very, very bad place. Oh, yeah. I think that their odds have to be somewhere between 90 and 95% yeah. going down. Um, which, you know, you look at their results in the last two months, it's not <laughs> that surprising. Deserved. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Everton against Bournemouth at home. You look at that at the beginning of the season, you say, wow, that's our saving grace. We're right. going to win that, stay up. I think Everton have lost 7-1 on aggregate to Bournemouth so far this wow. season. Uh, and I believe that happened in one week in a cup fixture and the reverse fixture in the Premier League. So not a good sign for Everton. Sure. And I think the cup fixture was at home. No, I think they might have been both away. So Either they, way. They have the comfort of being at yeah. home this time. And we've talked about many times Goodison being a fortress for Everton for them to get results. Yeah, and you know whether or not that's been true recently, um, if you look at the larger history, it is. Right. So I think they need to rely on that. Um, you know, Everton-related news, Decore is staying for another season you know, interesting that that's announced before they know if they're playing in the championship or not. Well, um, it's all scripted. They already know. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so it's looking like Everton is going to need that win because you never know with Leicester. They can pull something out. They, they played a very defensive 5-3-2 um, against Newcastle uh, at Newcastle. So I understand that mm-hmm. needing that point to kind of give them And they got edge. pretty lucky, too. They did. The post saved them a bunch. Um, but it was funny because like 85th minute, they had their first shot of the entire match and it almost went in. Yeah. So I mean, the strategy almost worked to perfection as it stands. It worked well. It worked right. How they wanted it to, um, they got the zero, zero draw. They got that vital point, but now they have to go and play West Ham who, as mentioned, may be resting players, but they need this win. And they yeah. can't. They, they have to come out firing. They're not going to play a five three two. I can guarantee that. They're going right. to go back to their four three three, and they're going to come out guns a blazing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a very fun match. I think what what doesn't help is that West Ham are already safe and they're gearing up for a European final. So they'll probably play enough key players to keep players fit and sharp, but not enough to uh, actually you know go out and play their strongest. 11 is is what I worry for from Everton's standpoint with with Leicester going to West Ham. Yeah, but Brent, we mentioned this either last episode or two episodes ago Mm -hmm. that West Ham at this point, um, their last two fixtures, they're already safe. And we thought that might be good news last week, but they did not go easy. And they they took all three points. Right. Yeah. um, So you never know. You never do know. You never know. But really the team that seems destined for the drop at this point is Leeds, who play home to Spurs on the final day. Spurs not in the greatest form, uh, but still with something to play for as far as Europe is concerned. Uh, Spurs only one point behind Villa. They could, in theory, wrap up the Europa Conference League spot, whether or not you want it, I don't Jake. want them to. <laughs> um, but as far as team motivation could go, I mean, that is revenue. That is playing in Europe. That's more allure for bringing players in, presumably. Um, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, yeah, Leeds, Leeds look destined for the drop. The Big Sam experiment has not worked. Frankly, sacking Jesse Marsh doesn't seem to have worked for them. I think the players have gone through too many stylistic changes. And they now have too many players that play different ways. Um, when you look at, I mean, they have done themselves no favors with getting Tyler Adams hurt sure. and out for the season. But you look at a player like Weston McKinney brought in, who outside of being American is a box to box midfielder that under the last 
manager was asked to play as part of a double pivot holding midfield yeah. and didn't look good. So I, I think they just seem like a team in turmoil and seem pretty pretty much a shoe in to go down. But uh, McKinney, hell of a throw-in for the oh, goal, though. Oh, great throw-in. <laughs> Too bad the rest of their defense sucks. Yeah, no, that... <laughs> I think everyone knew where that game was going when Leeds scored first. Um, you'd seen, I think, three of the last yep. four fixtures they had scored first and lost. So, uh, And I brought up to you, I'm still so frustrated from their standpoint, they spent 40 million euros on a striker that doesn't play in Reuter. Yeah, he, they made all five subs, Yeah, and he didn't, he didn't see come on. Uh, the field. So yeah. that's not a good sign. Especially, especially if you're how bad Bamford is. <laughs> that, and especially if you're going to the championship, right. you can't have the big signing and wages yeah. on on uh, your payroll. So, I don't know. That's a, a future problem for Leeds. Uh, their, their current problem is, you know, picking up points against Tottenham, who the reverse fixture saw seven goals, 4-3 thriller, with Leeds having to lead twice. Um, you take that into a home match, you say, we scored three goals against this team away. Right. What can we do at home? I'm, I'm going to say another high-scoring game, whether or not that means Leeds, yeah. you know, uh, looking for that goal differential that could take them above Everton if they draw, or uh, that Spurs kind of capitalizing on Leeds being too aggressive and being way too far forward. Yeah, I think the hard thing for Leeds is that they need Leicester and Everton both to lose, essentially. Yeah. And that's a tough spot to be Everton could draw Leicester could draw if they win but that swing for Everton and Leeds on goal differential would have to be big with a three differential right now right it, it needs to be um Leicester can lose or draw for Leeds sure. uh, Everton need to lose or um Leeds need to win big yeah which seems unlikely I I don't really have to go to their schedule and look back, but I don't think Leeds have won by four this year. No. Um, I think that they I think Everton have the tiebreaker if they're even on um, goal differential. So I think mm-hmm. it needs to be four. They were a much more exciting team under Jesse Marsh. I will say absolutely that. a lot more fun to watch yeah. with those thriller games. I don't see it happening now. I don't think Big Sam saves them, but. Jake, they're not the only big matches of the weekend. We have some other ones to preview before the big day on Saturday. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, there, there is the big relegation scrap. Two spots left between three teams. And it really could be any of the th- yeah. three of them. Or any of the two of them, I suppose. Two of the, any of the three. You know. I know. You know what, what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, words come difficult to me. Um, why use lot <laughs> Why word? use lot word when few words do trick. When I can't speak. When I can't speak. Barely. But Brent, um, some teams that are looking to secure some European spots, some for the first time, yeah, and some for the first time in a while. We have Aston Villa playing Brighton. Big match. Which could be huge for, uh, I think Brighton could secure the automatic qualifying one for Europa League. Right. So either way, Brighton are pretty much safe. I will say that because they have a 20 goal differential where Villa have four. Sure. Um, and if Villa win, then they are tied on points. So, so Brighton have all but secured sixth place. In fact, I think they pretty much have secured sixth place. Really, the implication is more for Villa in this match and whether or not they can stay in seventh versus dropping below Tottenham. They, they have a lot more on the line in this match than, than Brighton do. Um, and, and Brighton on, you know, to that note, still have a game in hand as well. They still have to play one more in the midweek. So 
that's just saying based on what we know now. We don't know how the match tomorrow is going to go. We're recording on a Tuesday. They still have a Wednesday match to make up um, against Man City. Now, we don't know how that's going to go. Man City might field a weaker side again like they did this past weekend. But I'm just taking it at face value. Let's say, you know, they still have 61 points. Then doesn't matter for Brighton. If they were to beat Man City, they would only be two points behind Liverpool. And that's the big... I mean, I know it's both Europa League spots, but that's where more of the implication becomes, you know, where do you finish on the table? I might knit this in the bud right here, Brent. Um, mm-hmm. Liverpool play Southampton on the yeah. last day. So I don't... I think it's a moot point. I think... Moo. Nice. I think Liverpool finish fifth um, because Brighton would have to beat City right. and Villa and Liverpool. Uh, let's see the goal differential. They'd have to lose to Southampton. Yeah, no, they would. And so, so really, like I said, the 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 onus is on Villa, who, assuming Brighton lose or draw to Man City at the weekend, you know, Villa are really playing to keep Tottenham at bay and to make Europe. And Brentford. And Brentford. Let's not forget yes. Brentford. We'll Let's not forget that. the bees. Let's not forget the bees. <laughs> but they do play Man City on the final day. So despite being only two points behind Villa in the European race, one point behind Tottenham, they do seem to have it all against them in terms of the team they're playing on the final day. But you never know. They have been excellent against the Big Six this year. True. If they were to pull out a win and hit the 59-point mark, Villa lose to Brighton. Tottenham draw or lose to Leeds. You know, we don't know what the last day is going to sure. be like. You could see the bees in Europe also for the first time. Yeah, and we, we've already talked about um, Tottenham versus Leeds and how that could be a fun fixture and has implications on both ends of the table. Um, but yeah, Spurs would need to win that and have Villa uh, not beat Brighton, which it's definitely possible. It's possible. Um, like you kind of insinuated earlier, I had mentioned that I don't want them to play in the Conference League. Um, didn't go great the first time we did it. Granted, there was a COVID cancellation and forfeit for Spurs. But outside of that, losing to a Slovenian team that was established 10 years ago. Um, not great for morale. Not, not great for morale. So I think that Spurs having a year outside of Europe and focusing domestically could be good for them. I think it'd be great for the team, honestly. Absolutely. They'll be getting a new manager. Sure. That they could have some big squad turnover. Hopefully. Kane out, possibly. Frankly, you don't know what's going to happen with Son after the year that he's had. Uh, you know, I, I think they would really benefit from a season of only focusing on domestic competition. But obviously, it doesn't bring in as much allure uh, for potential signings. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I'm rooting for you know either Villa to lock that up, or if Villa were to drop the ball, I think I would want Tottenham to also lose, so it opens the door for Brentford, which I think would be Fun. fantastic yeah. to watch in the Conference League. Yeah, I I think the Conference League is like the perfect spot for a Brentford side where they're not going to do great, but they're not expected to, and sure. it's more of an opportunity for them to bring in more cash, possibly with the sale of Ivan Tony as well to do what they do best, which is transfers, and bring in players to help reinforce the squad. But, Jake, there is one more team that technically has a chance of the Champions League, and that's Liverpool. Manchester United have a game in hand above them. They only need a draw over their last two matches to hold off Liverpool. They play 
Chelsea on Thursday. So by the time this comes out, we might know that. And then they play Fulham on the final match day. They only need one point, both games at home. It seems a shoe-in for them to make the Champions League, but we don't know at the moment. You never know what can happen in the Premier League. What do you expect from Manchester United? I think they get a point. Um, I, I don't think this becomes a talking point um, at halftime on the final day. They've either locked it up against Chelsea on Thursday or they've gotten a lead in the final day at halftime uh, where it looks like there's no way they're going to lose. Sure. So I think but that... But if. <laughs> but if. I mean, stranger things have happened. Mm-hmm. And Liverpool, I think, would do better in the Champions League next year if they you know continue the trajectory with the players they have obviously that's you know not very nice to manchester united who have improved but that was when marcus rashford was on a tear right who's kind of cooling off and injured yeah and there's some sort of always some sort of turmoil in Mm -hmm. in the squad and they're distracted by the sale sure so i you know I always like watching Liverpool in the Champions League mm. um, just because I feel like they're a side that could beat anyone. But, you know, we I've said this about Manchester United before, and they've proved me wrong and beaten um, people they shouldn't, like PSG four right. years ago. But uh, <clears throat> Liverpool in the, in the Europa League is just going to be weird. <laughs> I agree. Mo Salah does not belong in the Europa League. Neither does Virgil van Dijk or Allison. Those are all Champions League players. Fabinho, Thiago. Those are not Europa League players. Whereas when I look at Manchester United, like, yes, Casemiro is not a Europa League player. Bruno Fernandes arguably is not a Europa League player. But they're not the players with that kind of international pedigree. Sure. You know, it's it's one thing to have a defensive midfielder that quote-unquote doesn't belong in the Europa League. It's another to have, like, a star winger who has been a Premier League top goal scorer for multiple seasons. And then, and then Erling Holland came along. But— sure. Uh, yeah, it, it feels wrong. Um, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. But those are kind of the headlines of the final day. Every other match doesn't, not that it doesn't matter, but it doesn't particularly have any impact on the table, despite you know where teams could finish on the table. I think really the the one team that would be looking to move up but can't is Chelsea. Um, <laughs> should they be able to finish 11th rather than 12th? But honestly, Jake, I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow move below Wolves. I know that it doesn't matter, but Chelsea, with their last two fixtures, especially playing against Manchester United, Wolves play Arsenal on the final day away, but Arsenal don't have anything to play for anymore, and their team has been in terrible form. Look out for a Matt Turner cameo. Oh, true. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a fair point, but Chelsea's last two are Manchester United this Thursday and then Newcastle on the last match day. So you could see Chelsea finishing as low as 13th. I, I think they pick up a point between those two matches and... And stay. That would secure them against Wolves, um, even if Wolves were to pull off a victory against Arsenal. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think the rest of the league, I mean, obviously... 13th, 14th, 15th are all kind of interchangeable at this yeah. point. And 16th, frankly. I mean, which it's, you know, not unheard of, but we could have a potentially 15th place West Ham winning a trophy in Europe. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I mean, good for them. And then there's one point in the season where people were speculating that we could have a relegated team win a, a, a trophy in Europe, mm-hmm. which would have been hilarious. Would have been awesome, but not the case. Now, what would have been funnier is if they won the Conference League and were automatically in the Europa League next year as a championship championship, side. Yeah. Yeah. 
in another world. In another world, in another time. But for now, Jake, we have our final day set up. We can't wait to watch it. There are obviously results in the midweek that we don't know, but will come out by the time it comes out. There's more. Is there? The day before, the championship playoff final. Will we play it at Wembley? Yeah, that's right. And it's between uh, Luton, Afor Pod mentioned, <laughs> right? Luton Town and Coventry City. Welcome uh, to the Premier League. One of those teams. Yeah, a, a lot of people are already presuming that it's going to be Luton, and I think that's primarily because they want to see that stadium that ground be in the Premier League next it's season. It's a rocker. It would be cool to see in the Premier I League. I think that next would be. Season. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I've already stated that I'm going to back them both. Up the town. In spirit and financially. Um, So I think it's going to be a great game. Um, The richest game in sports. And the richest podcast in terms of giggles. (laughs) I mean, yes. (laughs) If you were to calculate currency based on how much we laughed. Well, we'd be the richest people. We in the world. often laugh before the podcast. True. Feel. Less giggles during. Maybe that's something we need to fix going into next season. Yeah, next season maybe I'll just keep the mics rolling, and then we don't do intros. Right. You just you you turn you start on the podcast and it. you just hear us talking about something random, but maybe, we're laughing about maybe it. Maybe inappropriate. Maybe inappropriate. But funny. Maybe you missed the punchline, but you hear us laughing, and that's Bam. all that matters. Bam. Yeah. Exactly. Pow. Do you say pow? <laughs> say it again. Pow. <laughs> that's uh, us leaving with a bang <laughs> because not unlike the catalina wine mixer oh the attire is jammies oh that's good we are the premier league <laughs> podcast with the coziest dress code and the best quips and we uh <laughs> we only play uh late 90s phil collins what is it? the band oh um oh is it phil collins billy joel billy joel billy joel <laughs> Play Piano Man. No, we don't no, no, play we Piano only... Man. <laughs> we only do late 90s. Anyways, we'll see you next time. <laughs>